said, Jesus, Jesus, how I've trusted him. That very next line, how I've proved him more and more. How many times have you proved our Lord Jesus Christ? Aren't you glad that he's faithful in his love toward us, his covenant toward us, that, that regardless of how, how we may act and how there's times that we might test that love, he still loves us. He'll never love us any more or he'll never love us any less and he already loves you right now. We serve a great Lord and Savior. I want to ask you, if you would, to take your Bibles today and, and turn to Psalm 139. I'm going to be speaking to you today on, on, on the subject matter of the sanctity of life. I think it's very, very important that we, we stop, we remember this particular subject, especially in the day, the age for which we live. And, 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 and how does God view this whole issue of life? And folks, if, even as you, you would learn within your theology class that, that, that many of you may, may begin to take is one that thing that you, you know that if you want to know what God thinks about something, you have to go to his word because his word is truth. That's why it's so important to, 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 to understand that God's word is truth, that it's, that it's without error, and it's through that that you can find how God, what what. God says about himself, what he says about you and me, what he says about life, what he says about this world that you live in, and you'll be amazed that, folks, he is never wrong. The sanctity of life, the supreme value of human life. Hmm. I guess one of the things that amazes me the most, as I said and. And many times I'll, 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 I'll watch something called Forensic Files or something like that. I'm, I don't watch a lot of shows, but things that, that, that seem to be a documentary or as I read the papers, I, I always ask myself, how can somebody get to the point that they can just take another's life? I, I, th for me and, and where I am, I can't understand that. That a person can grow to such a point within their heart that, that to take care of a problem, that they could have a husband killed or a wife killed or a store attendant killed just because that person got in the way of what they wanted to do. For me and, and, and where I am in my life, I, that's something that, and, and, and let me tell you, Johnny's not perfect. Johnny's, I've got a lot of issues. But I've never, I, I, I've never had an issue of, of, of how life can be so in, unimportant to others. But folks, that's the culture that we live in today. As a matter of fact, all we have to look around and we can see that, that, that life is so devalued that events such as that can occur time and time again. And, and then that really slips into the area of the unborn, and not only the unborn, but the aged of those who can't really handle things for themselves anymore. But I want us to stop, and I want us to, for each, take that moment, no matter where you are in your life, and let's just take a beautiful passage that, that David, the psalmist, is speaking, and he's speaking about life and, and, and how God is, is so interwoven into our life that that, that maybe the Holy Spirit would speak to you and maybe 
make you either stop and, and raise your hands and, 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 and be in awe of what God thinks about you or maybe today that it will open your eyes as we sang about earlier, open the eyes of your heart to see the importance and the supreme value of life. So let's all stand to, to read. And, and if, you, if you found Psalm 139, and today our, our focus passage is verses 13 through 16. I want to go ahead and start in verse 1 and work itself down to kind of give you a taste and a context of what's speaking. I want to be, I want to be reading out of the New King James Version today to, to really make this flow. And the Word of God teaches us, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. Wow, you can stop right there and really begin to examine. God knows everything about you, folks. You know my sitting up and my, my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I can't attain it. I can't understand just how great you are in your thoughts toward me. He says, where can I go from your spirit? God, how can I hide from you? Or where can I flee from your presence if I ascend to heaven? You are there. If I make my bed in hell or in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. The night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. And this is our text. For you have formed me, you have created me, my inward parts. You have covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed or unperfect. Or, and in your book, there were all written the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. Let's pray. The Father, I, I pray that, that the Lord, that this moment, that your word will have impact upon our, our lives, that God, that you would open our, the eyes of our heart that we could see. And God, as we speak about this very matter of life today, that, that God, that you would just uh, move in the deepest recesses of our hearts, O oh Lord, to knowing that, that Jesus, you are the life. The God, that, that it is you that, that where life begins. And, and God, that I just pray today that each of us might understand who we are, but also that who others are. And so, God, show yourself very clearly. Touch our hearts, change our lives. And God, I pray for redemption even this morning. And God, we just, we, just, we just want to praise you. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. As I read this, I, I, I thought about a story that, 
I've shared with you before, some of you have maybe have not heard it, but I, I just feel led that I need to repeat it again because it will emphasize my point. I spoke earlier at the care center and the building that we own right in front of the right in front of the courthouse where we just ministered to thousands of people over the years and giving out clothes and, 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 and counseling and ministering and praying for people. But when we were redoing that building, we had a, a work day. There were men there. There was women there. The, the building was, had to be completely stripped down and, and from everything but from the, the, the roof and the, and the ceiling, we had to tear it out and had a great work day. That's so good about being a part of a church like this, people coming out and working and and doing those things. But about 12.30 that day, I received a text from Wanda Sue, and she says, you have to come home and come home right now. Well, you know, that will pique your interest, won't it? And so I jumped in my truck, and I, I did not wait very long, and I tried to call Wanda Sue a couple of times on the way home, and, and, and she did not answer the phone, and so my mind was, was thinking about, you know, what type of news am I going to confront when I get home? When I walked in the door, I, I didn't see Wanda Sue uh, at first, but then walked on in the bank uh, or in the uh, kind of a living room area, and there was Wanda Sue, and she was on her knees um, crying out. My interest was really piqued at this time. God, what's going on? And so after she knew I was there, she got up, and I, I said, what's going on? She says, Kara's just called, and her and Tanner is on the way to a, an abortion clinic because Sarah is there in the parking lot. Sarah was a young girl that Kara had babysat while in seminary and had a tremendously troubled life, much abuse within her life. And as Sarah grew older and left home, she covered her hurt with drugs and men, just seeking something to heal the pain. And now Sarah, I believe in a late teenager, was in the parking lot and to abort the, the unexpected child. In her very last cry, she called Kara. And as soon as Kara had gotten that phone call, she'd called us and other family and friends and saying, please pray, because we're on our way. Please pray that, that Sarah doesn't make that decision. Thank God that they got there in time. They ministered to Sarah. And even asked Sarah to come home and live with them. This was quite a stretch for Carol Lee and Tanner because they were newlyweds themselves and, and they had just moved into a little shotgun house that we would call in Florida. It was just tiny. But they opened up their house for Sarah to come in. This, this girl with all of these problems, with all of this past, with, with, with just tough, and she didn't know Christ. And during those next few months, they just loved on Sarah. They, they got Sarah in touch with and began to get her counseling to a, a, a women's center, just like First Coast Women's Center, but up in the Raleigh-Wake Forest area. 
they began to contact people that, that would help support Sarah during this time financially because Sarah had no support of her own. Tanner taught Sarah to drive and then helped her find a little car and, 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 and helped her find a job. And, but even during that time, Sarah had never given her life to Jesus Christ, but she had committed herself to keeping the baby. And God blessed her with a, with a beautiful little boy named Jack. After Jack was born, Sarah went to live with a family that was really more capable of, 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 of taking care of a young mother and a child that was set up really through the women's services that, that again, that, that, that we, such as what we minister to, because they're more than help, and, you know, they're, they're, they're there to help throughout the process. And after that time, as Jack began to grow and Carolee continued to mentor Sarah, she got gloriously saved. She just continued to succeed in her job because she was a very bright young lady. Began to be able to be used even to speak to others in her same situation as she has spoken at many events, and then God brought a, a wonderful young man in her life named Daniel who accepted J Jake as his own son. And now they have a beautiful young daughter to go along with that. I'll tell you the end of the story and why I bring this story up in just a moment, but this story, folks, is about life. This story is about what God thinks about life and, and, and how is it important. And because we live within a society today that, again, life is not very valuable. That, that life today is, is just like anything else. We live in a disposable society, and if it doesn't work for me, then, then I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll sell it on Baker County Virtual Yard Sale or I'll, I'll just throw it away. And sadly, we get caught up with that, even in the subject of life, when, when things aren't, aren't fitting for us and we'll just, we'll just throw it away. But what does God think about life? How does God view this situation that, that, that for every one of us, it's major that we should find out? I think David gives us a glimpse of that through, the, uh, through, through God's Word about how God views this very subject of life. And folks, it's important that you and me hold on to that. You know, the first thing that we want to say is we dive into God's Word to find out what God himself thinks about this whole idea of life. That I'll, I'll suggest to you what David is saying at this time is, is that life is sacred in the eyes of God. And when I speak of that, which is being sacred, that, that, that also the word holy can also be, be translated. But, but the word itself means separated, that there's something different about human life that's different about everything else. And, and even when we read this particular passage, when, when David writes these words, when he, when, he, when he says, For you have formed me in my inward parts, and you have covered me in my mother's womb. For I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's very, very interesting when you go back and you examine that word wonderfully. It also means distinct and set apart. That life is sacred. Life is set apart in the eyes of God. And I'm speaking of human life. Why is that? Why is life, why did God separate human life? Why does, he, why does he 
understand, and, and, and when he looks at you and me, he looks at us in a, as a sacred being, as a holy being. First of all, we need to understand that the human life is not a, an accident or it's not a freak of nature. It's not something that just happened. The greatest tra- travesty, travesty that's ever been brought upon mankind is the, is the philosophy of evolution. Because evolution in the mind of its inheritance, the very purpose of evolution is to strip God of his, of his power and even of his very existence. And when you strip God of who he is in your philosophy, then you will begin to strip mankind of who they are. Philosophy is a, it's a faith. And don't, don't let anybody tell you it's not a science, it's a faith. It takes more belief to think that all things are by accident with, the, of accident with even the scientific knowledge that they have now to believe that everything happened by accident rather than that there was a divine creator. But just think about it for a moment. With the very idea of evolution, if everything was an accident, it was a cosmic accident, including you and me, then we're no more important than anything else. There's no purpose within our life. There's no value within our life that, that we are just, we're just part of a, just a major catastrophic accident that happened many years ago. I think it's very, very interesting that, that through this, you know, comes the idea of the survival of the fittest and, 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 and some of the major murderers of my generation or the generation before me All hell to evolution. Did you realize that Adolf Hitler held very strongly to the proponent of evolution and his very, his very idea of cleansing the race was from the idea of a superior being or one race more important than the other. Stalin, the great murderer that... that, that um, from the, from the Soviet Union background, a strict evolutionist. And may I say Margaret Sanger? You may say who's Margaret Sanger. She was the founder of Planned Parenthood, the largest abortion provider in, in America today. That she was an absolute avowed evolutionist. And she desired that if for any person that was not born with the right race, or if they had any defects, that they need to be eliminated. Why? Because of the survival of the fittest. Folks, you have to understand this. You have to go back and you have to study some history and understand why do people do the things that they do? How can, how can these types of things happen? Because when you can build within the minds of people that we're all a freak of nature or we all an accident, and so therefore it's just a survival of the fittest. And so it's just a very easy thing within the minds of people to come that life is not sacred, and so we can just take it out. But that's a lie from hell. Human life is, is not a freak or, or an accident of nature. It, it, it did not just occur 
Human life is the very crown of God's creation. I think it's very, very, very interesting that from God's plans and His holy wisdom and, and that when, when God's holy hands formed God, I mean, or formed man, and He said, this is very good because it's only, only human life. Human life was created by God. It was not an accident. It was part of a divine creation by the great creator, God. David writes in Psalm 100, verse 3, Know ye that the Lord, that he is God, that is he that made us and not, the, not we ourselves. That we did not happen by accident, but we were part of a divine plan and purpose and creation of God. And, 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 and only man, only man, what sets man apart from all of God's creation and makes him the crown of God's creation is that man alone was created within the image of God. Does not mean that man is God, as some may want to think within their mind. And we're created in the image of God. We're created as a reflection of God. When God blew his spirit into man, he blew an eternal spirit. Only, only man has an eternal soul. And when God blew his spirit into man, that, that, that spirit is what gives him an opportunity to worship God, his creator. You've never seen a pack of dogs worship him. It's only man that, that has that spirit that, that know that there's something greater than ourselves and, and and so therefore and that's what's interesting no matter where you go within the world that that people are worshiping something because god has placed that within our hearts that, that that he's placed eternity as job says within man's heart why because man is created in the image of god and and only man has been given a will that we can choose to accept God, that we can choose to reject God, that also that, that we can make decisions. We're not driven by instinct. We're driven by will. And that's part of being created within the image of God. And all you have to do is, 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 is turn to the person right at you and, and you can see someone that was created within the image of God. You can look into the mirror and say, that was a person that was created within the image of God. Are we flawed? Yes, we're flawed by our sin, but, but the deepest part of who we are is created in the image of God. And that's what separates us from all other creation. Folks, don't try to put me in the same category as an ape or another animal. Do we, do we have some biological um, similarities? Sure. I'm warm-blooded, they're warm-blooded. You know, I have hair that, you know. Sure, there's some biological um, similarities that you can put in. But, but, folks, there's a huge difference between mankind and the rest of God's creation. Because only mankind was created within the image of God. You are the crown of his creation. And only man was created for the glory of God. God created us that we may give him glory. Isaiah 43, 7 says, For everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. The reason God created you is that you may bring him glory. 
And folks, that's where we will find our, our greatest satisfaction is when we fulfill the plan and the purpose that God has for us is because when we give him the glory, that's when we best understand who we are and we receive our greatest satisfaction. Are you miserable within your life today? Is, is everything seem to go sideways for you? Because you are not fulfilling God's purpose primarily is to give him glory. That's why God created you. And you don't lose anything but only gain when you begin to understand that. So we need to understand that life is sacred. Life is set apart and God makes no mistakes. God makes no mistakes. Well, you may look at situations and think, man, how did God allow that? Folks, God is sovereign. God is sovereign and he makes no mistakes. I don't allow, don't understand why, why situations occur and, and what we see is terrible, but God makes no mistakes. We're all perfectly and wonderfully made. As a matter of fact, that when he says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that word fearful is the very same type of fearful as that, that God says that we should fear him. It's a high reverence. And so therefore, that when we're dealing with life, that we better be careful because we're to fear that life just like we're to fear God because that life has been set apart by God himself. And basically God is saying, if you touch that life, you're touching me because that life was fearfully and wonderfully made. I love it how it says that when you covered me in my mother's womb, did you know that that word means that word means it's to hedge in or to fence around that you know if if you have a garden and you want to keep farmants out of that garden garden you, you you hedge it in, you fence it around, you guard your garden, and that's what God says that 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 I guard my babies in their mother's wombs, that the safest place in the world for a baby should be within the mother's womb because I have guarded. That child in the mother's womb, but today it has turned to be the most dangerous place a baby can be is in the mother's womb. Have we got things turned upside down or have we got things turned upside down? But the very idea that, 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 that we are sacred and that, that God has made us distinct, that we're all masterpieces in the eyes of God, created by God. And, and when you begin to apply that in the way that we can understand, I, I read an article uh, a few weeks ago, I pulled back and, and, and looked at it even this morning that, you know, of all the great artists, and then, wow, you know many of them more than me, but, you know, you, you, you think of guys like Van Gogh and Michelangelo and Rembrandt and, and Picasso that, that, that recently at a sale, the, the most expensive painting that has ever been auctioned was sold for $180 million. That was Picasso's Women of Algiers, $180 million. Now, could you imagine that, that, that if, if that, that painting was at your house? Or could you imagine going into an um, art museum and you had all your kids that were just wound up, man. You'd just given them some red Kool-Aid and fed them some hot dogs, and they were just wired up. And you know how it is because... Um, Lord bless us, we had, we had three busy ones. And just walking in there and, and just letting them run as they're missing, they're, you had something that valuable. You would be a nervous wreck. You know, it's, taking your, it's like taking your child into a china shop, you know, and, and basically you see signs everywhere, if you break it, you own it. Because you better be careful with that. 
And, and folks, if we can value a painting by a person at $180 million, how much does God value his own creation? Because we're all mad. The person that, that's sitting next to you is a mad. Why don't you say, you're a masterpiece. And I grant you that you are, you are worth more than a canvas with some paint on it. It was God who painted you. It was God who made you. And, and, and we should value life much more than we value a canvas with paint on it. I think that should make us all hold our shoulders up and say, Wow, God, I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made, and you've set me apart. See, that's what God thinks about life. Yeah, I go back and I think of a young girl like Sarah. I'm sure there was a time in her life she didn't feel like there was much value. You know, God, how, how, how did you allow me to get in this situation? Why, why, why am I abused? And God, I, folks, I can't answer those questions. And, and also that we, we can't, we can't um, rule out just the sin of man. And that, that you know, again, I, I am no value. And then just searching for love and searching to find value. And, and folks, that's why, that's why so many people turn to drugs and alcohol or the opposite sex because they're just trying to find they're trying to feel the hurt and, and think that I'm a little bit of somebody and you know that's what hurting people do sometimes when they feel like they don't have any value that they'll do bad things because to get noticed by other people you see Sarah didn't think her life was very sacred and if Sarah didn't think her life was very sacred then how could she this this situation that come up into her life this unborn baby how, how could that baby you know and if, if and, and 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 that was just going to cause her much more pain and so what to do with it is just 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 get rid of it see but that that's the mindset we have because we don't understand how much value we have or how much value that that child is there's no accidents with god sad to say that one of the large group largest groups of 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 um, abortions occur by professional ladies because that baby gets in the way of, of, of their profession. You know, it's not a situation such as, such as a young lady that's hurting that just don't know what to do. It's just a situation that, that, that my, my job and my, my paycheck and, and, and what people think about me is more important, it's more valuable, it's more sacred than the life. You see the, the confused thinking that goes on. But folks, the word the Bible says it's the truth that sets you free. And I'm not here today demeaning because because folks, we've all just like this, you know, we, we all make mistakes. We make mistakes. That's why Jesus Christ came and died for us. But but we all do need to recognize that 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 what God says about things. But also life is not only sacred in the, in, in, the, in the eyes of God, but life is ordered in the plan of God. That God created us with, with a purpose. I want you to look at Psalm 139, 16, and I, I want to read that in some different translations for you to, to make, make you realize what's being said here. Then the King James would read, Thine eyes did see my substance. You saw me 
yet being unperfect. Although I was not completely formed yet, talking about within, within the womb. He says, in, the, in thy book all my members were written, which, and what are the members which are continuous, were fashioned, and, and yet there was none of them. That, that's, that's pretty cloudy of what that says. Let's be frank with you. New King James cleans it up a little bit. It says, your eyes saw my substance. It's speaking about when I was in my mother's womb, yet being unformed. And that, that unformed, actually, that, that, that word itself actually means um, the fetus, the embryo, that, you know, when I was still in that form. And, and it says, in your book, they were all written. What, what were all written? The days fashioned for me. That's what was all written, that, that God had already written his book every day for me. When as yet there was none of them. The NIV says, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them can be. Man, that's getting crazy. The SV, your eyes saw my unformed subject. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I, I, I love how the Holman Christian Standard Bible says, your eyes saw me when I was formless, when I was still in the womb. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Folks, do you grasp what's being said? That even when I was in my, my, my mother's womb, even before the founding, God had already planned my days out. He has, your days have already been written in the book of God. Isn't that amazing? Now, that's how much God is in the detail. There is no happenstance with God. There is no accident with God that God has already written your days in his book. You may say, well, that this robs me of, 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 of my will. No, it doesn't. Praise God for it because, folks, we make bad mistakes. God knows a lot better than we do. I thank God. I thank God that I serve a sovereign, mighty God because, because he has ordered my steps. He's still giving me liberty, but I thank God that there's one that's, that's already thought out my plan before me. That's how important you are to God, that he already has your days written out in his book. Man. You see, God alone determines the days of man. 1 Samuel 2, 6, the Lord brings death and he makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. Folks, God is the author of life. Ecclesiastes 3, 1, 2, everything, there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. See, God alone establishes, the, determines the days of man, but God alone deter, establishes the purpose of man. Jeremiah writes, for I know the plans, I know the purposes, I know the thoughts. And, 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 and that, that word actually is thoughts within, within, the, within the Hebrew, for I know. But, but it has the idea that God is thinking ahead and through his thoughts, he already has things planned out for you. That just is such a, a beautiful thing that even before the foundation of the world, God was thinking about me. Isn't that cool stuff? I know the thoughts that I think towards you, and very more understandable translation to plans, because through his plans, he's made thoughts. 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what God desires for us. And to understand that, if, if, if God is the, alone determines the days of man and God alone determines the, the, the plans of man, then anyone cutting short human life is intruding on the plan of God. Well, you may say, well, you had, he had plans for you. Well, and, and you know, how could he? Be? Folks, that does not eliminate the human element of rebellion against God. I pray not that God or that I would intrude upon the plans of God. Let me just give you some examples of an illustration that I, I read a few years ago because we can all make excuses. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing with people that, that regardless of the truth that they face, that, that, that we can always make excuses. Let me just give you some thoughts. Let me just ask you if, you know, years ago there was, a, um, there was a question that circulated around that says, if you were given a million dollars, what would you do? And there's a whole list of, of things that people would do. And, and it was a national survey. It was pretty amazing what people would do for a million dollars. But let me ask you another question. You know, what would you do? Would you consider abortion in any of these circumstances? Let's say you were a preacher and his, and his wife living in extreme poverty. You already have 14 children and she's pregnant again. Pretty tough stuff, you know. Extreme par- poverty, already got 14 children. Now here we have another one coming. Or if you're a mother that has tuberculosis and the father has a, a bad problem with sniffles himself and the family already has four children, and one of those children have tuberculosis, two of them are deaf and one is blind, and now you have another on the way. Would you want to bring another child into that circumstance? Or what if you are a 13-year-old black girl that's raped by a white man? Or what if you are a teenage girl that becomes pregnant and not by her fiancé? And he's very upset. You know, in any of these situations, would that give you an excuse? Well, if you did then, as I'll read these down, if, 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 if you thought that the excuse number one, a preacher and his wife lived in extreme poverty with 14 children already, if, if you'd have said yes, then you'd have aborted John Wesley. If you'd have said yes to number two, that the mother has TB and the father has sniffles, and, and, and one of the children, they already have four children, one with TB, um, uh, two are, are deaf, and one is blind, and you said yes, then, then you had aborted Beethoven. If you had said yes on the third, then that, that where there was a, just a young black girl that was raped by a white man, you had aborted Ethel Waters, the great gospel singer of the first of the last century. What about if you'd said yes to the teenage girl who becomes pregnant by someone other than her fiance? If you'd have said yes, that you'd have aborted Jesus Christ. See, every one of these were were conceived under very tough situations, but God 
blessed. I heard a testimony sitting right here on the stage yesterday by one of our brothers, Tommy Hunter. He was conceived out of a situation that was not very good and was given up for adoption. In a glorious way, God brought that circle together. And Tommy stood right here yesterday and thanked his birth mother for choosing life. Because through life, and he's one of our deacons, and Tommy's a faithful servant to the Lord, and he's got three wonderful boys because the mother chose life. Isn't that amazing? You see, life is ordered in the plan of God, and, 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 and we need to respect that plan. But also, life is precious in the heart of God. You don't have to go any further than John 3.16 to realize how precious life is to God. For God so loved the world, and God loves every person that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That God's perfect plan for man was to live in relationship with him. But through man and his sin, man rebelled against God. And even man in his rebellion, the word of God tells us, God demonstrated his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Even while we were in rebellion away from God, God, we were so precious to God. And so God so desired redemption and, and reconciliation that he sent his son Christ to die for us. Folks, Life is precious to God, and Jesus Christ is, is, is there, we shouldn't even have to say anything else. He sent Jesus to redeem a broken world, and we all are broken. See, he's the provider, he's the sustainer of life, that he takes care of us. He makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sun rains on the just and the un. Folk, God takes care of us even if we're unjust. He's the protector of life. God, even in his divine word, says, whoever sheds man's blood by his blood shall be shed for the image of God he made him. God protects life from saying this life is so valuable. If someone chooses to, to shed another man's blood, then that man's blood should be shed because when you touch that man, you touch the very image of God. See, God's word's consistent. As I've already spoken, the greatest is he's the redeemer of life. He is our redeemer, and he proved his love toward us through Jesus Christ. You ever wonder how much God loves you, my friend? You look to the cross, because God says, I love you this much. I sent my own son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. It doesn't matter where you are in your life. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made in your life. God loves you. And he's proved that love through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's the beauty of it. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter all of our failures, God, is, you are still sacred to God, and your life is important to God. And he proved that through sending his son, Jesus Christ. I want to just close with Sarah and the great work of redemption that's occurred in her life. You see, Jesus said in, in John 10, 10, he says, first of all, the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan had done everything he could to destroy Sarah's life. He put her in a family situation that there was a destructive situation, and he tried to destroy 
her physically, mentally, her, every way. He tried to steal, destroy her life through drugs and bad relationships. He did whatever he could, and then he was going to destroy that child that, that Sarah cared because that's what the thief does. And friends, let me tell you, that's what the thief does for each of them. He is out to destroy your life and everyone's life around you, and don't even be fooled by that. He's a destroyer, he's a liar, he's the accuser. And that's where, where Sarah found herself and with absolutely, her life is just a mess. And, and the only decision she could, she could make is, how can I get out of here? But thank God he didn't end with that in John 10, 10. He says, but Jesus says, but I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, Jesus Christ comes to give life. In a miraculous way, he gave life, first of all, we know, to Jack. I had some pictures. I didn't have a time to throw that to, to show you that little fella. Loves to play the guitar. He's just, he's just, uh, he's just something else. But, it, but you know who he gave life not only to Jack? He gave life, God gave life to Jack's mama, Sarah. All she had ever known was death and destruction. But he began to give Sarah life. And it, if you saw Sarah today, you would have no idea that she's walked the path. She is a beautiful, radiant mom and, 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 and wife. But she gave Sarah life. You know who else he gave life? He gave life to Daniel, her husband. Because God, when he gave Sarah life, then, then Daniel, I'm sure, and Daniel's dad's a pastor and mom is a and I'm sure they had prayed, and, and God brought them together, and they have a beautiful marriage. And, and then there's a beautiful little girl that goes born. You see, when God gives life, life spreads. And it's that, that you know, when a, when a life of a parent is redeemed, then the life of the family is redeemed. Because things change within the house. And that's what's the beauty of it. You, the thief comes to destroy life, but Jesus has come to give life. Why? Because life is sacred to, to God. And I close out today, what has this spoken to you? Again, I'm, I'm not here today to try to condemn. I'm trying to encourage. We're all broken. We've all made mistakes. The Bible has said that even time, any, every time that I spoke a word in anger that I've murdered somebody with my tongue. And so I have to say that I'm a murderer myself. Although, you know, I can sit there and say, how can someone take a life with a gun? But the Bible says well, I, can, I can take a life with my tongue. And so I'm guilty too. But you know, that's why Jesus came. Because we're all broken people. We've all made mistakes. You see, the thing about it, folks, we can't change yesterday. It's, it's just done. But through the power of Christ, we can change today and we can change tomorrow. And that's what God wants for each of you, no matter where you are in your life. I, no, matter, no matter what path you've walked, I want you to first to realize that you're valuable in the eyes of God. You're a masterpiece. You're, 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 you're just irreplaceable. 
and thank God and just think how much God paid for you. He didn't pay $180 million for you. He played by the blood of his own son, Jesus Christ. As old Lester Roloff said, he bankrupt heaven for you. I like that. So today, first of all, understand what God thinks about you. But then allow God to begin to, to see that life beside you. That every life that you come in con contact with is valuable to God. And maybe there's a life that's just near you that's troubled and just messed up. You have the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. You can go share. God can use you as an agent. I thought about that. I think about that. God used Kara and Tanner to be agents of life to Sarah and John. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And see, that's the thing about it. He can use you to be an agent to bring life to somebody else. God is the giver of life, but, but he lets you and me take that life to them. We can be the deliverer. Wow. I challenge you today to be agents of life. And take that good news of Jesus Christ to others. And maybe today you're hurting. And you just need someone to pray with you. God loves you. And I encourage you to let others pray with you and encourage you and minister to you. And maybe today you've never met that life. But, but today as we sang that song, open the, open the eyes of my heart. God has begun to open your eyes. And you begin to see how valuable you are and how much God loves you regardless of of your mistakes. I invite you to that God who loves you today. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and I'll give you rest for your soul. I ask you to come to Jesus today. Let us introduce you to life himself. I want to ask our, our companies if they'd come at this time, and as they come, I want to pray, and I want to ask How's the Holy Spirit spoken to you today? Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for life. And I just pray today that, God, that our eyes have been opened, that, God, that we can just, oh, Father, we can see the great gift that you've given us in life. And, God, I just pray that no matter where people are within their life right now, Lord, that, God, that, that you would just say, hey, come to me. And I just pray, God, that today would be a day of salvation for some. I pray that it would be a day of deliverance for some. And God, or just a day of praise and thanksgiving. Bless this time, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.